wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. After two long weeks, I'm finally back in the good old U.S. of A., and it feels so good, I cannot even begin to tell you. I left for London the day after the Extreme Rules pay-per-view on July 15th. So, I watched the pay-per-view with Alexis Sunday night, and the show got over at, what, 11 o'clock here Eastern Time? I went to bed at, what, 12.30 maybe? 1.30? Um, it was pretty late, because I had to finish writing the review for the show, and then doing a few other things, packing... And then I got up at 2.30 a.m. So I didn't sleep for more than an hour before getting up to drive to the airport in Newark, New Jersey, uh, where we had a delay. The plane left at, I, th- I want to say 8, I think, but we had to get there, get ready, and we left for London. So it was an international flight. We had to get there two hours ahead of time. We had a delay. We were at the airport for an additional two hours, maybe, uh, longer than we expected. Didn't get to London until 10 p.m. Because you factor in the time change of five hours. They're five hours ahead. So we didn't get there until like 10, 11 p.m. We didn't get to the flat we were staying at until midnight. Until fucking midnight. Actually, not even midnight. Well past midnight. Because by the time I got there, Raw was just getting started on the East Coast. So it was 1 a.m. It was a really long day. But what I'm trying to get out here is that it was a fun time in London. Very happy to be back, though. We had no shortage of shows while I was away, though. If you've been tuning into WrestleRant Radio in recent weeks, we've had some awesome interviews. Not even just in recent weeks, but dating back to the beginning of the summer. We've had uh, Northeast Wrestling owner Michael Lombardi on. We've had Lillian Garcia on. We've had Flip Gordon on. Kelly Klein. Shane Taylor. Nick Aldis, the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion two weeks ago. Former WWE Superstar Ryback on last week. And today, the interviews just keep on rolling. Today we have on the latest acquisition to the AEW interview team, Chris Van Vliet. Now the awesome thing about this is that we actually organized this interview about a month ago actually. I reached out to him in late June and we couldn't find a day that worked. Um, He was away and then I was away for a while and... You know, this past Wednesday was really the only day, the closest day that worked for both of our schedules. We were able to make it work, and then Monday it was announced. He announced on his social media pages that um, he was the newest addition to the AEW interview team, which is so cool. If you followed Chris Van Vliet for any period of time, you would know that he is one of the best there is the best of the best when it comes to wrestling interviews, and uh, his interviews are top-notch. Check him out. If you like my interviews, you're going to like his 10 times more. You can check him out on his YouTube channel, his podcast, Twitter, Instagram. He's all over the place. Just a phenomenal interviewer and an all-around great guy. So I very much appreciate the time that Chris spent talking to me for today's WrestleRant Radio. This was recorded mere hours before this is going live on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, all the usual platforms as you know 
Um, which, by the way, subscribe right now if you haven't already for all the latest episodes of WrestleRant Radio and all the archived episodes dating back to October of 2013. But yeah, very much appreciate the time that Chris spent to talk to me for today's show. We had a lot of great stuff to talk about from his new venture in AEW, getting started in wrestling interviewing, how he actually wanted to become a wrestler at one point um, about a decade ago before he started off on a new path, and so many other cool things from his favorite interview, how he gets ready for interviews, stuff like that. So I learned a lot from talking to Chris. I think you guys will as well, just listening to our conversation and enjoy it as well. So I'll be back on the back end of this podcast to discuss what's on tap for next week. Until then, though, coming up my conversation with the latest addition to the AEW talent roster, Chris Van Vliet. Enjoy it, folks. All right, guys, Graham G.S. and Matthews, you're back with another exclusive interview here for WrestleRant Radio. Today we're talking to wrestling interviewer extraordinaire and the latest addition, the newest acquisition to the All Elite Wrestling Announce team, the interviewer, Chris Van Vliet. Chris, how's it going today, man? I'm doing great, Graham. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, of course, man. I've been a big fan of your work for a long time now. I've been very much looking forward to this conversation. But I mean, I guess the timing worked out perfectly. It was just announced a couple days ago. You've joined AEW. Yeah, well, I'm going to be a part of the first show on TNT, uh, which is, I mean, this is pretty pretty awesome for me. You know, I've been a broadcaster for 15 years. I've been so fortunate to be able to work in radio and television ever since graduating from college. I've been a lifelong wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. And for me to be able to combine the two of these together, uh, it's it's pretty crazy because I wanted to be a wrestler growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I went to wrestling school. I was a backyard wrestler. Um, and, you know, it, to be able to combine these two together with AEW, is, it's a dream come true. And I'm super, super excited for October 2nd. Well, it's funny because I started putting these questions together for you about a month ago when we first set this up in like late, late June. And one of the questions I wrote down here was, you talked about your passion for pro wrestling, you know, going to wrestling school. You wrote that in your Instagram post upon the announcement a few days ago. I wrote down here what your ultimate goal was. And if you ever saw yourself working for a wrestling company in an official capacity at some point, and obviously that's been checked off the list by now, um, but was this something you ever expected to happen earlier on in your career? Well, when I was uh, when I just graduated from college, in 2005 is when I graduated from college. I had an internship. Uh, I'm, I'm from Toronto, so I had an internship just outside of Toronto in a small town called Peterborough, Ontario, mm-hmm. which I was driving 60 miles each way just to have this internship. I was working part time in the fish department of a pet store at the mall, so I could make ends meet to pay for the gas money that was, you know, going to drive to my internship. Um, I applied at that time to work at WWE mm-hmm. in any capacity that I could. Um, <laughs> I, I applied in 2005, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 to work either as a backstage interviewer or a ring announcer or mm-hmm. just something. Like early on, I was applying to like be a producer or something. And uh, I really never heard back. So after seven years of trying... <laughs> Uh, I just kind of gave up, you know, and I had moved on with my career and was doing other things. I was you know, super fortunate to be able to work as um, a ring announcer for some independent companies, independent wrestling promotions when I worked in Toronto and also when I worked in Cleveland and now here when I'm working in South Florida. So I was just happy to have like one foot in the wrestling world, uh, you know, kind of like appeasing, uh, you know, the younger version of me who had dreams to be a pro wrestler. Uh, and I was still working as a broadcaster. So it was kind of a best of both worlds for that, too, you know. And, and I was able to take my 
broadcasting uh, knowledge and connections that I had and was able to, you know, do some interviews with my YouTube channel, which honestly, the YouTube channel kind of started as an accident. I was doing these interviews as part of my TV job, like, hey, Raw, SmackDown, Impact, Ring of Honor, whatever happens to be in town. You do an interview saying, hey, it's in town, tickets are on sale. And then I would ask questions that I genuinely cared about as a fan. And I'm like, well, you know, if we're not going to be able to put that on TV because the message on TV is buy tickets. Yeah. I wanted I wanted this, you know, these interviews to get out there because I, I was asking what I thought was interesting questions as a fan. Mm. Uh, I was like, I gotta put, I gotta put them somewhere, so I just threw them on my YouTube channel, which had like four subscribers at the time, <laughs> and that was that. You know, that was that was you know really the extent of it at the time. So when you're asking these questions too, I mean, you posted your first ever interview to YouTube a couple days ago, the one with Bobby Lashley from over a decade ago. So when you're interviewing people like that, you know, working with a TV station, are these people surprised? Like, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about. Because you watch these interviews and it seems like, not just yours, but like other people's, and it seems like a lot of the interviewers don't obviously watch wrestling, so they have no knowledge of what they're talking about. Um, are any of these wrestlers that you interview, I mean, back when you first started, surprised? Like, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about. Yeah, and I would make it a point to like let them know, like, hey, I'm I'm a fan. Like, cause I think <laughs> there's a lot of people, and we we all unfortunately know those people who are like, oh yeah, wrestling. I used to watch that when I was a kid. Mm. Uh, I think that they get I think they get a lot of those. So I wanted to make it clear every single time I interviewed someone. So that interview with Bobby Lashley was 2007. So that was 12 and a half years ago, and there's been you know several since. Unfortunately, I don't have. Uh, the the tape of a lot of those ones, but like I interviewed uh, Ken Kennedy and I interviewed uh, Jack Swagger and there was a, uh, Ted DiBiase Jr. There was a lot of these interviews, so I would like make it clear like I'm a wrestling fan. I want to be a wrestler. I've been to this WrestleMania or that WrestleMania, or whatever. And like they go, oh okay, like it kind of like I feel like they they kind of can go, oh all right, well you know I, I can uh, speak maybe more openly because mm-hmm. unfortunately it's it's not you know it's not, no it's no fault of these other TV hosts or these other reporters. It's no fault of their own. You know, they're just not fans. And it's, it's a morning show or it's a, you know, maybe it's a sports talk radio and maybe they're a football fan or maybe they're a movie fan. And when a wrestler comes in, they've just got really limited knowledge, you know, unlike mm-hmm. people like me or you, Graham, who have been watching this their whole life mm-hmm. and can talk specifics. Yeah, no, exactly. And you can feel it, too, when you watch the interviews that you do with these people. It's like it's very obvious that you know what you're talking about and that you're passionate about it. And obviously, when people watch these things, it makes it that much more entertaining because you're asking the questions that we all want to know, you know, that type of thing. And you have the access to these people and just to hear the conversations that can go anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes to like the 50 minute interview that you did with Ryback or people like TJP or Matt Morgan, it's super fascinating to watch. And you talked about your YouTube channel um, that started way back when, like you said, the interview with Bobby Lashley just gone up a couple days ago. And doing the stuff with the TV station, everything else you do outside of wrestling, how hard has it been able for you to just juggle everything between, you know, going out on your own, doing all the wrestling interviews, and then kind of doing that with your daily life, you know, your other job and whatnot? Yeah, it's been it's a big balancing act. I mean, I'm, I think I'm fortunate at this stage of the game that I don't have like a wife and kids because they, you know, I'd never see them. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, but I I love working hard and I've always been a hard worker. I've always been a go-getter, you know, um, that internship I was telling you about where I drove 60 miles each way. They weren't going to give that to me. They weren't even going to interview me. And I kind of, kind of lied my way into getting this internship (laughs) kind of, 
I basically said, oh, hey, uh, it's, it's spring break next week. I'm, I'm going to be in, in that town where your TV station is. I'd love to just come by and have a conversation with you, which was a total lie. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't actually been to that town in like 10 years, but I'm like, you know, if, if I'm going to roll the dice and take a chance here, um, you know, and, and put myself there, they're probably going to say yes. So it's been that attitude ever since I was in college that's kind of, I think, really driven me is like I'm willing to go the extra mile or the extra hundreds of miles as it's been, uh, you know, recently, like mm-hmm. this weekend, I'm flying to Los Angeles, you know, on my own dime, uh, to do some interviews there because, you know, I, I there's you know, the possibility to do some great interviews there. So I think this is the thing is I'm willing to go out of my way to do this and, you know, to answer your original question. Yeah. It's been a lot of juggling, but I mean, my day job is I host a TV show, which was a lifelong dream come true. Mm-hmm. I get to travel the world interviewing, you know, some of the biggest celebrities in the world. Um, I get to review movies. And then, you know, this thing I'm doing on the side with growing this YouTube channel is I'm interviewing some of my favorite wrestlers or some, you know, incredibly talented up-and-coming wrestlers. Like, none of this really feels like work. It's, uh, it's all pretty awesome. Yeah, and if you enjoy what you do, it doesn't really feel like work. Like you said, it just kind of makes it that much more enjoyable. And it makes the work, like I said, you watch your interviews and stuff like that, it just makes them that much more entertaining and engaging because, you know, we the viewers can tell that you're enjoying what you're doing. And you talked about the internship too. I'm kind of on a side note. I'm curious because I'm 24. I just got out of college a few years ago. I just did my master's in journalism. Uh, with internships and stuff like that, what do you feel is like the best piece of advice that you can give for someone going into the workforce, whether it be communications or whatever, really whatever it might be, um, to landing an internship? Because there's so many people coming out of college at one time and maybe even more difficult now compared to 10 years ago to land a full-time job or an internship or anything like that. Well, I think for me it was uh, it was padding my resume in college when I had the time. Yeah, um, and I had this I had this epiphany in my senior year of college. Like I really enjoyed college. I had so you know the best times of my life there, and made some of my best friends there. And you know, as you know, in college classes are sometimes optional. You know? like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not. If anyone's in college right now, please go to every class. You know, it's good for you and graduate and get your degree and all that stuff. But you know, there's there's times when classes are like you know, ten o'clock class on a Friday morning. It might be tough to go to if you went to a party the night before, or you know, you or you had some friends over or whatever. So, I had this epiphany in like my senior year where I was like, when we wake up. At the end of this, after we graduate, we're going to wake up every day and go to work five days a week for the next 40 years of our life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a, that's a lot. Like, you can't even fathom 40 years of your life, especially when you're, you know, 20 years old. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to do something for the next 40 years of my life, I don't want to hate it. And that was in that moment where I'm like, I want to do whatever I can over these next seven, eight months to pad my resume, to do as much as I can, to get as much experience as I can while I'm still in school, so Mm -hmm. that when I do graduate, someone at a TV station, radio station, magazine, wherever it happens to be that I was applying for all these internships, can go, man, this guy's really put in the work. Like, he's made himself stand out. So I'd say that that's number one. I'd say number two is um, your internship's probably not going to be the most ideal situation. Mm -hmm. And just just be aware of that. It's not going to be at ESPN or CNN or WWE or AEW or wherever you want it to be. Mm -hmm. It's going to be at a small startup magazine or a small startup 
a radio station or podcast, or maybe it's at a TV station that's, you know, 60 miles away like mine was. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, you got to just throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Like apply to 20, 30, 40, 50 of them. And, and don't just send out the to whom it may concern or dear sir, madam emails. Like yeah. do some research about every single one of these places and make them realize why they should bring you in instead of the other 400 people that applied. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just really kind of putting forth the effort and whatnot. People that are coming out of school and they think that like just because they put in the four years at college that this like that they earned this internship and mm -hmm. I think that that's the wrong attitude and I've seen interns come into our TV station and they're lazy mm -hmm. and uh, if you're a, if you're a lazy intern you're probably going to be viewed as a lazy employee so you're probably not going to get a job so I would say treat the internship like it's a job search and then if you are fortunate enough to get an internship treat that internship like you're applying for a job every single day going like do whatever you can to make yourself stand out mm -hmm. and with doing the tv hosting and whatnot has there been anything that you've learned from that that you've been able to kind of transfer over to the wrestling interviews that you do and vice versa how does one kind of uh do with the other oh yeah no i think that so much of what I've learned in broadcasting, I've been able to apply to my uh, wrestling interviews. And mm -hmm. I think the biggest one, and, and it's so crazy, I get complimented on this all the time. I see it in, in the YouTube comments all the time. It's like, thank you for letting them speak. And it's like, yes. Like, it's, what, a weird, what a weird compliment <laughs> because I'm, I'm so fully aware that nobody's clicking on any of my videos to see me. Like maybe at this point, maybe people are clicking because they, you know, they enjoy my interview style. But I get that people are clicking on these videos to see the guest, and I'm fully aware that like the guest is the star here. And uh, and I think I learned that really early on, and it was kind of by accident. Is don't interrupt your guest because it ruins your soundbite. Like mm -hmm. that was the biggest thing I learned early on. Is like if your guest is saying something and you're trying to interrupt it, well, your soundbite now for television or radio is pretty much unusable because you've interrupted them. So that was something I learned early on is like, let the answer breathe. And I appreciate you right now, Grant, for letting these answers breathe and listening. And yeah, that's a big thing that anyone listening to this can take mm -hmm. uh, from both me and from you in, in this moment is, um, you know, let the guests speak. And I think the other thing is like, I think that people are, um, when you first get into the industry, uh, and, and, you know, and, and, and the industry's changed a lot for me is like anyone has a camera now, everybody has a camera in their pocket. I think that it's so weird seeing yourself on camera for the first time or the first hundred times or the first thousand times. It's also so weird hearing yourself for the first thousand times. So I would say that it takes a lot of getting used to, um, you know, realizing, oh, my God, I do that thing with my mouth or what am I doing with my hands? Or, Does my voice really sound like that? So I think for me early on, you know, when we didn't all have video cameras in our pocket in 2005, 6, 7, when I was, you know, kind of... Uh, learning the ropes is just putting those reps and uh, now we can all put those reps in by putting our iPhone either in selfie mode or our iPhone uh, on a on a tripod and go ah okay great I can work on that and I can figure this out so I think a lot of it really has helped uh, you know one has helped the other 
And you talked about there too, like the iPhones and stuff like that. Now, a lot of people use iPhones to record interviews, whether it be through video, audio, whatever. I re- I watched the interview that you did with Simon Miller a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago, and you had mentioned that you had left your tripod back at home, so you used your phone to film the, the interview. Is that correct? Yeah, so the secret here is I use my phone to record all my um, interviews. Oh, okay. The audio is... Yeah, the audio is the more important thing. Um, that was where I was really bummed out. I got to the airport. I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot my mics at home. <laughs> uh, and Simon, or um, uh, uh, James Delo, uh, who hosts Gorilla Position in the U.K., a podcast in the U.K., he was super helpful and lent me his mics. But, yeah, I record um, I record on, on an iPhone mostly because these interviews have been getting longer and longer. Like you mentioned, you know, some of them have been up to 50 minutes. And there's not a lot of video cameras that will keep rolling for 50 minutes without shutting off or without the battery dying. So that's kind of just been more out of necessity than anything else. Mm -hmm. In in recording these interviews, I've always wondered, too, how much of this is a one-person process? Because like you said, you have your camera, you have your audio. Do you do everything yourself, or sometimes do you have people behind the camera helping you record? I'd say for the most part I'm doing it by myself, like... uh, you know, my background in broadcasting has helped a ton. Like, and this is the other thing, going back to your question about internships, is you got to put in the work. Mm-hmm. And my first job um, in the in the industry, I was what they call a one-man band. So I learned how to shoot and write and report and edit and do it all. So, yeah, I, I right now I do a lot of it on my own. I, you know, on occasion, you know, I have some, I have a couple buddies of mine that will come out and help me, like set up the camera or. You know, give me time cues or something like that, but yeah, it's uh, especially when I'm flying to do interviews. It's a lot cheaper to uh, buy one flight versus buying two. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, actually, I didn't really think about that. I guess it's a great point, but yeah. So I guess a lot of what you do is a lot of MMJing and stuff like that with the audio, the video, and stuff like that. So I guess that kind of makes sense. Um, but when it comes to your interviews, whether it be when you first started out, you know, ten, fifteen years ago, or even now. How do much do you prepare for your interviews? Because it doesn't really seem like you look at the card too often. I mean, obviously, you, sometimes you have your you know, question card and whatnot, but it seems like a lot of the questions you ask are right off the top of your head. And it seems like, again, like you said earlier, a lot of it is stuff you want to know anyway. But for the longer interviews, how much do you prepare for them? And how, how are you able to remember all the questions you want to ask in the interview? I would say that I, I, mean, I prepare as much as I possibly can, whether yeah. it's watching matches, watching other interviews. I, I think that a really good thing I've done is kind of gone on Twitter and asked people like, you know, hey, I'm interviewing so-and-so. What do you want to know? And you start to see themes of like, like I, was, like I interviewed Hornswoggle recently and there were so many people that wanted to know about the Vince McMahon, you know, being his <laughs> legitimate son. And I'm like, you, you know, even though Hornswoggle has covered that before in many, many interviews, if that's what people want to hear, you know, then and I'm getting a lot of tweets about that, then that's something I'll put in there. So I write down probably, I'd say, 10 to 15 topics. And instead of, like, writing out the full-on questions, I'll write out the topics. Unless it's a really, like, you know, if it's a difficult question, I will write out the actual wording for it. But I kind of write out 10 to 15 topics and then just kind of follow the flow of the conversation. So if we're talking about one thing, that leads to something that I thought would have been my 14th question, but now it's going to be my third question. You know, I'll just jump into that topic then and uh, you know, glance down at the notes that I've made, which are really just kind of guidance, like one word, you know, or two words for guidance. But 
Yeah, I just try to be as prepared as I possibly can, and I try to keep the conversation flowing. I feel like uh, if you're looking down at interview cards too much or you're worried too much about the next question's going to be, uh, it's hard to follow the conversation and you might miss something in the moment. And in the last 10 years and so that you've been doing all these interviews, again, you've seen the guest list grow and grow and grow. And you've had, you know, a couple years ago, it would be a, an interview every once in a while on your channel. Now it seems like it's become a weekly thing. And now it's to the point where you have your weekly podcast and you're putting up the podcast of the audio version of the interviews that you do. Um, how have you seen... I don't know if source is the right word, but, you know, being able to get all your interviews. Obviously, now it's a matter of who you know, and with social media, it seems like it's become easier than ever just to shoot someone a DM and say, hey, can I interview you, and stuff like that. So how have you seen that process evolve in terms of getting your interviews, uh, you know, compared to 10 years ago when you first started? Oh, yeah. When I first started, though, my interviews were basically only the ones that came to me. So... Raw or SmackDown was coming to town or Ring of Honor or Impact. That was really the extent of the interviews that I was doing, you know, when my YouTube channel first started like eight years ago. Um, and, and I was just kind of, you know, as wrestling interviews came, I would, I would do them. Or like if, uh, if one of the local wrestling promotions had a big star, I would go out of my way to do that. But at that time it wasn't, you know, I was doing like five or ten a year, you know, tops. And then I, I made this, you know, and I say it all the time, vague goals get vague results. And I, last year I, I was doing way more. I was going out of my way and I, I, I can drive to Orlando. It's about a three-hour drive. A lot of wrestlers live in Orlando. And it was just me setting those specific goals. So last year I wanted to do about 40 interviews, and I think I ended up with like 41. This year I set the very specific goal that I want to do 50 wrestling interviews before the end of the year. And I was going out of my way to make them happen. I bought a flight and a ticket to um, double or nothing with zero plans I was just like you know what when we get to Vegas we'll make something happen and with having that specific goal it's had it's given me something to drive after um, so I, you know I, I reach out to a lot of wrestlers either on Instagram or Twitter or I'll email them and I don't get a lot of responses. Like, there's a lot of people that don't write back, or they'll write back and be like, oh, sorry, like, you know, we can't make it work. Um, and I just figure the more, you know, the more swings you take, the more chances you have to hit that home run. So mm -hmm. I've just been putting, you know, more and more effort into it and, you know, just kind of hoping for the best every single time. And how important to you is to get the interviews in person, too? Because, again, we're talking over the phone right now, but it seems like with your interviews that you do for your YouTube channel through camera, it seems like they pack much more of a punch when you're able to sit right next down to the person, ask them the questions you want to ask, all that type of stuff. I mean, it's very easy now just to call someone over the phone, do an interview that way. But how important to you is to fly all the way out there, show this person, like, hey, I'm willing to do this by getting that plane ticket, going all the way out to where they are to do your interview? Yeah, that's, I'd say that's what really makes my YouTube channel, my podcast, stand out. And, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing against doing phone interviews like we're doing right now. This is great. They're super accessible. We live in a world now where you can Skype or FaceTime or call someone who lives literally on the other side of the planet. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, that's, I think that's incredibly great for accessibility. But I wanted to do something, you know, that, that made my interviews stand out and made them a little bit different. So... Um, I was, I'd always been doing them in person. That's just the nature of television, which is, you know, the, the medium that I grew up in and, and have, you know, had a great career in. So I just wanted to continue that. And, uh, now we live in a world also where flights aren't that expensive. So, 
you know, if I can buy a $300 flight to Vegas for double or nothing and get some content there, you know, I'm going to. And I just think there's just something about that in-person uh, interaction that is just lost uh, when you, when, even when you do like FaceTime or something. I just think there's something about shaking that person's hand and actually looking them in the eye that makes the interviews even 1% better. And if, if I can do something that's just 1% better, I'm going to do it. And your interviews have come a long way. I mean, again, you watch the Bobby Lashley one, and it's fun for what it is, but it's amazing to see how much, how far you've come since that first interview with Bobby Lashley so long ago. Um, was there anyone that you've watched in that time that you've kind of modeled yourself after as an interviewer? I remember like being such a Joe Rogan fan, even when he was hosting Fear Factor. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I was just so blown away by his, like, laid back conversational style and I never wanted even when I was just hosting and not doing interviews but just talking to the camera I never wanted it to come across like uh, like a host or like a presenter because you know we, we've all seen those people on TV that are like coming up on the show today this is what we're going to be doing and I just <laughs> think that everyone can see right through that and go oh man that guy's being like guy smiley like he's being too uh, being too much of a host so I really I really looked up to Joe Rogan's style of hosting. I, I grew up in Canada. There's a, there was a host there that, if there's any Canadian listeners, will totally know who he is. Uh, anyone else can look him up. His name's George Strombolopoulos. Uh, and he was, a, he was a VJ, like much music in Canada, kind of like the MTV of the U.S. And he hosted a, a show called The Hour, where he had these long form, at least for television, like 15-minute long form like kind of unscripted conversations with people and I was just blown away by how it, it was a late night show but it didn't follow the late night format of like haha let's yuck it up and like make jokes and the, the band will play a drum beat when I tell a joke uh-huh. uh, and I just loved his style of like just having a conversation like intently listening to, the, to what the person was saying and guiding the interview from there so it was in watching these people who I thought were immensely better than I was and taking little cues from them. You know, Tony Robbins always says success leaves clues. And you know, I, I firmly believe that if you can take a little bit from this person or a little bit from that person or a little bit from that other person, you can kind of find your own voice and uh, you can hopefully succeed from there. And I think anyone who's followed your channel for any period of time now, you just did an interview with him last week or two weeks ago, I think it was last week, with Dolph Ziggler. He's been on your show a number of times, probably one of your most famous yeah. guests. Um, there was one video yeah. that you had, yeah. that you had done with him a while ago. And it's always an interesting interview, too, because despite you talked about it in the video, I think it was either in your intro or outro, that no matter how many times you've interviewed him, it's always a different story every single time, which is awesome. Um, but one of the videos that you had done with him a while ago, maybe it was about a year or so ago that you guys had sat down and he was the one who interviewed you. So how weird is it for you to be like, after doing all these interviews with the TV hosting, the wrestling interviews to be the one being interviewed for a change? I, I mean, it's, it's strange. Um, I, I like it. I embrace it, but it's, uh, it's weird, you know, because. I've, I've always just been a fan. I've always just been a wrestling fan, and I've always been, like, such a student of the broadcasting game. And, um, you know, if, if anything can come out of any of these interviews that I do, I just want people to know that, like, hard work can pay off. Like, that, like set some goals for yourself. Like, envision where you want to be in six months from now, one year from now, five years from now, and so on. 
and you can work towards those things. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to do these interviews. I'm happy to share my story, but I just want people to know that like any of this is possible. Uh, and I think that there's way too many people that, uh, that reach out to me or that might be listening to this right now that go, Oh, well, you're just doing that because you got lucky or you're, you know, I could never do that. It's like, well, no, we could all do this. You know, anyone's capable of doing anything. Um, you just got to like start to put one foot in front of the other and, and make these things happen. And the only reason, the reason I did the interview with Dolph Ziggler where he asked me the question mm-hmm. is I kept getting people saying, we, we want to know more about you. Like, let's, I, like, let's do an interview where you should do an interview where you answer fan questions. And I'm like, great. But I'm like, I know nobody's going to watch this if it's just me talking to the camera. So I'm like, I'll get, I'll get a WWE superstar or a wrestler to, to do the interview for me. And it was, it was either going to be uh, Celeste Bonin, uh, a.k.a. Caitlin, uh, who I've become friends with. She lives pretty close to me here in Florida. Mm-hmm. Or Ziggler, who I've done, you know, I've done 17 interviews with now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ziggler happened to be in town for his comedy show, and uh, I said, let's do it. I was like, all right. So that was the reason we did that one. When, you know, growing up as a wrestling fan, did you ever think you would get to a point where you're on such a friendly basis with a guy like a Dolph Ziggler or a Caitlin or really anyone else in the wrestling business? There's a lot of these people that, you know, when you talk to them for your interviews that already know very much who you are, where you're sitting in the back of a car with Chris Jericho interviewing him or a Tony Khan or whoever it might be. Did you ever think you would get to the point where you're going to be where you're friendly with these people that you've grown up watching? No, no. I mean, definitely not. It's still, it's still so surreal. Like, before my interview with John Cena, he texted me. Like, John Cena texted me. Like, that was mind-blowing. Chris Jericho texted me the other day, like, without even me saying anything to him. He's like, oh, just, you know, you got to listen to the podcast I did with MJF because we mentioned you. And I'm like, this is so surreal. Like, I was the guy who lined up uh, outside a pizza joint in my hometown of uh, Pickering, Ontario, for three hours because the Dudley boys were signing there. Uh, like, it was February and freezing cold, and I lined up outside of Pizza Pizza in Pickering, Ontario to meet the Dudley Boys. Or I lined up for six hours outside of an arcade in Toronto uh, to meet Christian, uh, Trish Stratus, and Kurt Angle. Uh, like, six hours in February in Toronto. I mean, you know how cold that is. <laughs> so, for me to go from that level of, like, you know, just being a fan and like just wanting to be part of that world to now like having a tiny tiny little you know sliver of that world now and it's it's pretty surreal and uh, I certainly don't take any of this for granted and still being a fan now, too, it's not like, you know, you started out as a fan, you got this awesome opportunity to interview all these people, and you kind of lost your way. That's not the case at all. You're still very much a fan today, which is awesome to see. Um, it wasn't, you know, too, too long ago you started doing your podcast, which was really just the audio version of the video uh, the video interviews you've been doing on your YouTube channel for a while now. Where did that idea start? I mean, podcasting's been all the rage now for a while, so uh, what was the motivation behind starting the podcast? I think it's part of it, like, I understand that YouTube videos, like, take a certain dedication to be able to watch, because unless you have YouTube Premium, you can't click away and just listen. Like, you have to actually have the app open, or if you're watching on your computer or your TV, you actually have to have it open, and that's the only thing you're doing on, on that device. So I think that 
in me trying to listen to or watch other interviews and like accidentally, you know, just out of habit, going into another app and the, you know, the video stops, me going, huh, I bet that happens in my interviews. Um, so that was, that was kind of part of it. And me just going, if there's another audience out there who isn't watching my YouTube uh, videos that could just be listening to these interviews, why not tap into that? And, you know, it's, it's not that much more of an effort for me to put the audio version out there. And I think really at the root of this, like, radio was my first love. Like, I was a, I remember being a four-year-old with a Fisher-Price tape recorder, like, and a microphone, like, pretending I was a radio broadcaster. Uh, my first ever job in the industry was I was a board operator for a news radio station in Kitchener, Ontario. Um, so, like, I think that that's also the heart of it. Like, there's something really special about the medium of audio. And uh, I, I think that it's, you know, the, the passive listening, like someone's listening to this right now when they're driving their car. Someone's listening to this right now when they're going on a run or they're on a treadmill or something. And I think that that, that passive listening is going to continue to grow more and more. So for me, I was just like, there's no reason I shouldn't be doing this. So yeah, I've done it for about a month now. I gave it the very original name of the Chris Van Fleet Show. Um, <laughs> and it's available uh, on all podcast platforms. So wherever you're listening to uh, this right now, you can probably find mine as well. And you mentioned the Chris Jericho interview. So I was listening to that last Friday when it first came out, the one that he did with MJF. And it was at the very end of the podcast where I forgot exactly what they were talking about, but he did bring you up, which was absolutely amazing. When did So had, had you already listened to it by that point when Jericho texted you, or had you not known about it? So when I saw Chris Jericho fight for the Fallen, and he did the uh, the press scrum, which, by the way, those press scrums are so cool. It's just amazing from a journalistic standpoint that AEW is giving people that kind of access. But he, I asked a question in the press scrum, and you can see this in the video I uploaded uh, of the press scrum. I asked him a question, and he goes, oh, hey, uh, Chris, like Jericho kind of does. He's like, oh, we had, uh, he's like, I got to tell you, Chris, we had, uh, I had MJF on the podcast recently, and uh, he, we were both trying to figure out how to say your name. And I'm like, so cool and then after the scrum ended he walked away and was like uh, he said something about being Chris Van Vla again and I was just like wow so that was at Fight for the Fallen so that was a couple weeks ago and then finally the podcast came out and um, Jericho had messaged me about it and then a bunch of other people had messaged me about it it was just like it's still one of those moments where I take a step back and go this is so cool like I, I'm I'm such a fan, and I can't believe this is actually, you know, actually happening. Mm -hmm. And I think that MJF interview has got to be one of the more memorable ones that you've done, um, if not in recent memory of all time, just because of how the guy is so dedicated to who he is as a character and whatnot. That you know seems to be who he is in real life to an extent, with how you know he acted that that, that entire interview, the weekend of Double or Nothing. Uh, where does that rank for you among the interviews that you've done as a TV host and in wrestling as well? The one with MJF. It's certainly up there. I mean, in, in terms of just wrestling interviews, like that's the one that I get quoted for the most. That's the one that people always want to ask me about and talk to me about. So, you know, it's interesting because I've interviewed The Rock like nine times. I've interviewed Dolph Ziggler like 17 times. And it's not there, you know, who's counting? But, uh, <laughs> no. um, but the MJF one, it's, it's something special. And I think that what makes it stand out so much is we live in this world of this, you know, this, 
shoot work or this blurred kayfabe all the time now. Like, and MJF taking it back to an old school time when you don't know if that's who he is or not. And I think that he loves that. I think that, you know, he, I mean, Maxwell Jacob Friedman is, Friedman is his real name. And I think that he loves blurring the lines between Max the person and Max the character because I don't honestly know where one ends and one begins. Uh, and I think that that's what makes that interview so special. And uh, this is, we're just scratching the surface with MJF. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see how uh, my backstage interviews are going to go uh, with MJF as we head into television. Well, that's what I was going to say, Chris. I was just about to ask you. So one of the things I had seen after the announcement was made this past week that you were AEW bound, someone made this comparison, and I, I absolutely loved it, and I want to get your thoughts on it, that you would be the Jonathan Coachman to MJF's The Rock. Is that at all going to be something that we might see come the show's debut in October? I mean, who knows, right? And it, it's not just Coachman. I mean, The Rock did that to Kevin Kelly. The Rock did that to Michael Cole. Um yeah, I, I, I mean, that's a question better suited for MJF. All I know is I can do what I can do. You know, I, I'll, I'll do what I can do as a broadcaster and as a journalist, and I'm sure that MJF will do what MJF does. So I think when you <laughs> when you mix those two together, uh, yeah, I think that that's, uh, that's something we're going to see. And you talked about debuting for AEW at the uh, the show's debut in October, Washington, D.C., Wednesday, October 2nd. Going to be very exciting. They've already announced Cody and Sammy Guevara, the six-man tag team match. Um, anything you're looking forward to the most about that debut show, obviously, from your debut with AEW? I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens at All Out. Uh, so I think we, we start there with All Out and the storylines that are going to be built, and I think that things are kind of going to get, get to a boiling point there that you know, that's the last AEW show that we're going to see before TNT. So there's going to be a good month there to really build those storylines, really, you know, have them, uh, you know, kind of get to a boiling point there. So I'm just excited. Look, I'm excited for everything, you know, as someone who's going to be working as part of the show, but also just as a fan. Tony Khan's talked a lot about how wins and losses are going to matter in AEW. We haven't really seen that factor in yet. Uh, I think we're going to start to see that factor in, if I had to guess, uh, when TNT starts. Um, so I'm interested to see how that uh, plays into things. Um, but man, I'm just, I'm just excited. Uh, AEW has shown us with their three shows that they have a different product, and uh, I'm really interested. You know, they were able to do that kind of with, you know, no real limitations on pay per view. So I'm interested to see how this all factors in when. You've got commercials to deal with and time limits and, um, you know, you've got advertisers that you have to appease. So I'm really interested from all elements, uh, all angles, how this is going to shake out. And you mentioned All Out in just about a month, actually exactly a month from when we speak right now on August 31st. Uh, Can fans expect to see you appear on the show in any capacity? I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, At this point, uh, the answer is no. But uh, anything could change. I mean, this thing with TNT happened really quickly. Uh, so who knows? I, I'm going to be at All Out. Uh, I've, you know, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be at Starcast. So uh, anything could happen. But I, I don't know that they need me. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not right now. I mean, we haven't really seen a lot of the... There hasn't really been much of a backstage interview or presence um, with these... Uh, with any of the shows, really. I mean, I don't think there was... 
well, there weren't any part of the telecast at uh, Fighter Fest. Well, there was one or two, maybe, at Fight for the Fallen. So, I don't know. Um, I, 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 maybe they're making maybe they're making the pay per views a separate thing from the TV show uh, in terms of something like that. But yeah, as of right now, uh, your guess is as good as mine, whether I'll be there or not. So yeah, we shall see. Um, you mentioned with the announcement being made a couple days ago, officially being announced for AEW. Uh, was there any cool responses that you got from announcing on social media? Blew up all over the place. Everyone was really stoked to see that you have uh, officially signed with AEW as their new announcer, as their new interviewer. Was there anyone who reached out to you saying, hey man, this is really cool, and someone that you didn't expect probably that to hear from? I think what was so cool about that is like just the response just in general. Um, like, uh, I mean, it, it's really, it's crazy to think that I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a wrestling fan who sits down and has conversations with people and uploads it to YouTube. And it's so funny that you do it in a vacuum of, you know, you and one other person in a camera. And it's so easy to forget that, you know, this reaches, you know, thousands or millions of people. Um, so I think it was, it was so weird that like I posted that on Twitter and I had like, I don't know, something like a thousand replies in the first hour and it was just like whoa like people people were like excited for me and I felt like I felt like there was like a small portion of it where it's like this was a win for like all of us as fans in general mm-hmm. like that that hard work can pay off and uh, my phone blew up with phone calls and texts from you know former colleagues and friends and people I hadn't heard from in a while and and a lot of wrestlers that I have uh, relationships with uh, reached out to me. And honestly, it's, it's been really humbling, Graham. Like, this is, it's, it's literally a dream come true for me to be able to work for a wrestling company. You know, at one point, that was the dream was to do that inside the ropes as a wrestler. Now, it honestly couldn't be a better fit for me to be doing this as a broadcaster. So, man, I, I, I kind of wish that, <laughs> kind of wish October 2nd was like tomorrow. <laughs> um, but, you know. <laughs> We gotta wait two months to see how this is all gonna go. Yeah, it's like Christmas for all wrestling fans. It could not come any sooner. I think we're all looking forward to it. Um, and obviously, even before that announcement was made, you were already kind of involved with AEW, just to an extent, in doing the road to fight. For, not uh, was it the road to all out videos that you were doing, or the road for fight for the yeah, fall. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was last week's road to all out. Okay. That, that happened. So you know, that was like a, a last minute thing, and I I got on a flight the next day to Atlanta, and we filmed that, and. I was in Atlanta for something like three hours to film that, and yeah, it was super quick. The turnaround that was super quick, but you know, I, I hope to be able to do more stuff like that. And then, what was the timeline in getting with AEW? Was this something that dates back a few months, or is this deal really just come together in the last couple of weeks or so? Happened pretty quickly, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's because you know, I, I think it's kind of been a domino effect here, like. Through a mutual friend, I got to interview Chris Jericho. Um, and then me interviewing Chris Jericho got the interview with Tony Khan. And then because I did Tony Khan, I was able to get in with Cody again. I interviewed Cody uh, as part of Ring of Honor. And then because I got the Cody interview, I was able to do the Bucks. Uh, and I'd done the Bucks and Kenny also when they were with Ring of Honor, the same night I did the interview with Cody. So it was kind of like I had now checked off everybody, you know, that was uh, you know in power at AEW, and I think that it was. I wasn't looking for anything. I hadn't applied. I didn't interview or anything. It was just like I think that they liked the vibe that I had, and it came together 
very quickly. And, uh, you know, I'm really happy that it's, it's working out. Yeah, I think it was only inevitable, too. I think we've been watching your interviews for so long now. You were such a good fit for that role. Watching the All Out videos, the Road to All Out videos, people saw that and were like, wow, this is a perfect role for Chris. So it's really cool to see. And as we wind down here, um, is, has there been one person that you did not expect to be as good of an interview as they were, but they ended up exceeding all of your expectations? Well, I think that uh, the interview that was never planned, the interview that literally walked into my life, uh, if you haven't seen the video, it's so surreal and serendipitous how it happened, but DDP, uh, I mean, DDP, Dallas, is just such a, an incredible human being, such a special guy. Um, but <laughs> the way that this worked, I was in Los Angeles. I just checked into my hotel. I was about to interview the cast of um, Bohemian Rhapsody. And for my TV job, I interview a lot of the celebrities. I just checked into my hotel and I was like kind of unpacking some of my stuff and I hear someone like trying to get into my room and trying the key and it's not working and they're jostling at the door handle and I hear them like swearing and I'm like this idiot I can't believe this idiot trying to you know has checked into the wrong room so I look in the people and I'm like oh my god it's Diamond Dallas Page and think about this of all the hotels, first of all, he doesn't live in Los Angeles. I don't live in Los Angeles. He happened to be there. It was the day he was doing the Joe Rogan experience. Um, so of all the cities in the world, we're both in L.A. Of all the hotels in the world, we're both in the same hotel. And of all the rooms he could have possibly tried to get into by accident, it's my room, you know, as a big wrestling fan and also the host of this YouTube channel. So I open the door and I go, um, <laughs> Hey, you're in the wrong room, but I'm a big fan. And he's like, brother, I need to go to the bathroom so bad. I'm like, well, come on in. And he literally throws his stuff in my room, in the hallway of my room, and goes to the bathroom. And I'm looking at his bags in my room and going, oh, my God, like, Diamond Dallas Page is in my room. So when he came out of the bathroom, I explained to him who I was. And, you know, I had this YouTube channel. I said, I'd love to do an interview with you sometime. And he's like, well, let's do it right now. And I'm like, uh, uh okay. So, <laughs> Through that whole, you know, crazy experience, and he made a Facebook Live video about this, um, that was such an incredible, I mean, Dallas is an amazing storyteller, so the interview was great, I just basically sat at the learning tree that is DDP and had him tell stories, this was a couple, I think a week after uh, All In, so, you know, he was part of All In, and All In was a, you know, a, obviously a monumental show at the time, still is. So that was that was probably the one that took me by surprise uh, in in more ways than one. Mm-hmm. And and going forward, like you said, you'll be starting as the uh, key interviewer for AEW on October second, Washington D.C. As of right now, uh, in becoming the new interview for AEW, will that be affecting anything with your TV hosting job, or is it kind of be the same routine stuff going forward? I mean, it's I haven't been given any guidance as to you know if anything's going to change, but. I would think that this would certainly help my YouTube channel. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'll now I'll now be able to interview my coworkers, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's all systems go, you know, in terms of everything. Uh, but you know, it's, it's an opportunity that I, I said it in my most recent video. I said at the end of my Bobby Lashley interview that this opportunity is life changing and it's career changing and. Uh, and as we sit here two months before it happens, uh, I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm just super excited for 
obviously what this means for my career, but I'm just excited for what this means for wrestling in general. And whether you're an AEW fan or you're an Impact fan, a Ring of Honor fan, WWE fan, New Japan, whatever, um, MLW, whatever it happens to be, like this is a great time to be a wrestling fan. And uh, I think we should just embrace that. It, it, too many people are kind of positioning this as like, oh, WWE sucks, I'm an AEW fan, or AEW sucks, I'm a WWE fan. Like, like why can't we just like wrestling? <laughs> this should bring us all together. And it's so easy now to watch both with Raw being Mondays, you know, SmackDown Friday starting in October, AEW on Wednesdays. There is virtually no excuse to not try to watch all three and even more products in addition to all of those, you know? Yeah. I say it all the time, but it's the most exciting time to be a wrestling fan. Like, let's embrace this. And if you're not watching it live, we now live in a world of DVRs and, and uh, YouTube videos, you can just watch clips on Twitter or Instagram, like this is super, super exciting. It really is. Yeah, there's just so much to look forward to. Like you said, they have the AEW debut in October. We have All Out next month. SummerSlam is going to your native Canada just next week. Any excited about that? Yeah, no, I'm super excited about that. And um, my plan was to go up there, but then I learned they weren't doing like a fan access event. And I was, because they, they'd done one for the Rumble, they'd obviously done one for WrestleMania. And, They'd done them previously for SummerSlam, but you know they weren't doing it here. So uh, the access is then limited to the amount of wrestlers that are doing interviews. So, um, so yeah, I'm not going to be at uh, that show. Although I was just at SmackDown. SmackDown was in Miami last week, so you know I I'm, I'm still a wrestling fan through and through. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought they had the. Are they doing the meet and greets for SummerSlam weekend, or is that something different? I mean, they're not doing access. Um, maybe they're doing some sort of meet and greets, but it's like access. If, if you've never been, especially WrestleMania access. Oh, like, it's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's pretty incredible. I know I had seen the list um, uh, just a couple days ago. I know they had said they had Triple H and people like that. It looked like an access lineup, but I wasn't sure if it was exactly access, like you said. So I guess we'll wait and say. Uh, but final two questions for you when it comes to interviews that you've done and whatnot. Um, who have been your favorite interviews? I mean, it's, it's obviously a tough question to answer, but your favorite interviews from wrestling and your favorite interviews from just doing the TV hosting celebrities that you've talked to. Um, I mean, I was such a big Rock fan growing up, and uh, The Rock was at the top of my list of people that I wanted to interview uh, when I got into this business. And I didn't want to just interview him as a wrestling fan. I just wanted to interview him as a, a fan of, you know, Dwayne Johnson the human. And uh, you know, I've now been able to interview him you know, several times, nine times, as I said earlier. But he's counting. Uh, <laughs> and The Rock is The Rock is seriously everything you you could hope he would be. You know, he's. He's smart, and he's charismatic, and he's funny, and he goes out of his way to make you feel special. Uh, and it's a very rare celebrity quality where he goes out of his way to make you feel like you're the focus uh, in, in those moments. Even if it's just you know a little smile or a laugh or he uses your name you know in the conversation. So The Rock's been great. You know, I've had some really fun moments with him. Like he yelled, it doesn't matter at me, which was <laughs> like a incredible moment um, and then after I interviewed The Rock I was like well the, I think the next celebrity I really want to talk to is Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise possesses a lot of the same qualities I just mentioned about The Rock and the interview I had with Tom Cruise the only interview I've done with Tom Cruise but it was super memorable it was in Paris on the red carpet for the last Mission Impossible movie 
and in the shadow of the Eiffel Tower. Um, I, I have a photo of it on my website. It, it really honestly doesn't get any better than that. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, if you Google my name, one of the uh, interviews that will come up is <laughs> the interview that I did with Dakota Johnson and Leslie Mann, where they basically hit on me for four minutes and asked <laughs> me to take my shirt off. Um, that was... Uh, yeah, that was that was definitely a memorable interview. Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. I mean, there's so many on your channel. People can just go down and binge them all. There's just so many great interviews that you've done. Again, with wrestlers, but I think a lot of people don't realize that you talk to a lot of people outside of the wrestling world as well. And if they're a fan of your interview style, just a fan of you personally, then they're going to enjoy those too. They're always great content. Um, and I know you've answered this before, but one final question for you. Your dream interviews. I know you mentioned Triple H. Um, Vince McMahon. Are there any other people that you have since added to that list since the last time you talked about it? Well, I mean, those are those are two pretty big names. Uh, and so, I mean, they're still up there. Um, yeah, Vince would be the ultimate. Vince would be, and, and, and just as a just as a sheer fan, how great would it be to be able to shake Vince's hand and say thank you? You know, like all of this is possible because of Vince McMahon. Um, you know, he he grew wrestling into what it is now, uh, taking it over from his father. So that would be, you know, Vince is still the epitome. Triple H is someone I was a fan of ever since I was a teenager. I had a Triple H poster on back of my door in my bedroom, you know, which is so strange to talk about how you had a half-naked man hanging on your bedroom <laughs> wall. But, um, <laughs> but we all did as wrestling fans. Yep. So, yeah, uh, you know, until I can knock those two off the list, um, they'll always be on it. Well, looking forward to it. Hopefully it happens at some point. In the meantime, though, hopefully we can have many more AEW interviews to come on your show, the podcast, everything moving forward with your debut on the show's debut, October 2nd on TNT. Chris, people can find you everywhere. You're on Instagram, Twitter. You have your podcast. Um, anything else you'd like to plug before right off into the sunset? Uh, well, first of all, Graham, thank you so much for having me on. This has been a blast. You know, we've been talking about making this happen for like a month, and... Uh, I'm glad we finally did. Um, yeah, if people ever want to know, I always get asked, you know, who are you interviewing next? Well, if you follow me on Instagram or you follow me on Twitter, you'll see who I'm going to interview next. I usually ask people, like, what should I ask this person? And I often post stories with the person. So, you know, it's a kind of an inside peek at uh, what's happening. And, uh, you know, I'm still the goal this year was 50 wrestling interviews and 200,000 subscribers. We've accomplished the 50 interviews. And, Really proud of that. Um, there's still many more to come. Just because we knocked it off the list doesn't mean that uh, you know we're gonna stop doing them. But I'm very close to 200,000 subscribers. So if anyone's listening to this and you know you've ever watched one of my videos and you haven't subscribed, I would honestly mean so much to me to just you know take the you know quarter of a second to click that subscribe button. Yeah, of course. People, the numbers just keep climbing. I keep watching every single video, and it seems like every ten thousand, like every other week, it climbs by ten thousand people. It's amazing. And you said, you know, uh, vague goals get vague results. And you started at the beginning of the year with, you know, fifty wrestling interviews. You've already surpassed that. And out of that, you've gotten a job at AEW. So it really doesn't get much better than that. It's uh, man, it's it's been pretty awesome. But you know, once again, and I've probably said it too much, and it sounds like a broken record, but. You know, I just, I just want to be living proof that hard work uh, pays off. And if you have something that you want to do, if there's a goal that you want to achieve, you can. Uh, you know, if someone else has done something that you want to do, there's no reason that you can't do it. And the only person standing in the way is you. So, you know, if I can do it, you can too. Go out there and, and crush it and make it happen. 
Chris, thanks so much for your time, man. Very much appreciate it. Like I said, big fan of your work and very much looking forward to seeing else what you do in the future. No one deserves this opportunity more. So again, thanks, Chris. I very much appreciate the time. Yeah, Graham, that means a lot to me. Thank you so much. And you know, and congrats on everything. Your, your podcast is growing too. I've been watching it. So uh, congrats to you and uh, you know, continued success. Very much, Chris. Uh, I very much appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man. And uh, hopefully again, we. Uh, well, you said you'll be it all out, right? I will be it all out and StarCast, so uh, come say hi. Of course, I'll try to. I'm going to try. I think I have my CM Punk meet and greet book that day, so hopefully at some point. I mean, you're just appearing not as a, an official talent, right, because I know people have their meet and greets and whatever. Not as of right now, um, but... Who knows? You know, it's the world of wrestling. Anything can happen. Yeah. No, exactly. Should be great. Looking forward to it. Again, Chris, have a great one. Thanks a lot. We'll catch you down the road. Thank you. Usually, Chris is the one sitting down doing the interviewing, so it was cool to reverse the roles, if only for one week, put him in the hot seat, and pick his brain about everything he's accomplished so far in his career and beyond. He could not have been any more gracious with his time either. We spoke before the interview went live there, and I asked him if he could, you know, how much time he had to speak. And he said, how much time do I need? And I said, about, you know, 30, 45 minutes, just about, because that's usually how long the interviews run here on the podcast. We ended up going well past that. We ended up speaking even after the interview ended, even after we went off the air. So again, big thanks to Chris for joining us here on today's WrestleRant Radio. And super stoked for the opportunity he now has in AEW as their new lead announcer backstage. And, um, yeah, it's going to be very exciting to see what he does on that debut pilot episode of AEW and TNT on October 2nd, as we found out last week, um, per AEW themselves. But uh, speaking of AEW, we have All Out coming out a little later this month. We have SummerSlam next weekend, which I'm super stoked for as well, speaking of upcoming wrestling pay-per-views. Speaking of SummerSlam itself, so next week we're going to take a bit of a break from the wrestling interviews, if only just for one week, to hopefully bring back Mr. Marceau for the first time since, I want to say, WrestleMania. Since right before WrestleMania, we had Mr. Marceau. Oh, no, actually, I did do a double or nothing preview prediction panel with him. Not technically for WrestleRant Radio, but uh, it was a WrestleRant Radio-related, you know, exclusive for the YouTube channel. So I guess for the first time since, I believe, before WrestleMania... RJ will be back on WrestleRant Radio, hopefully. I still got to clear this by him, so he may be listening to this before I officially ask him um, if he can come on the show next week, but fingers crossed he can, to help me break down the NXT TakeOver Toronto 2 card, as well as the lineup for SummerSlam the very next night in Toronto. I think it's Toronto. Well, obviously, it is Toronto, because TakeOver's in Toronto, per the name, so I'm an idiot. Uh, It's late over here on the East Coast as I'm recording this. I gotta head to bed, but... WrestleRant Radio next week, SummerSlam TakeOver Prediction Panel with the one and only Mr. Marceau next Thursday. If you want to check out the show, you can do so by finding us on all the platforms. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, NextAirWrestling.net. We're all over the place, baby. It's now easier than ever to listen to WrestleRant Radio. So if you're not already, you're missing out. You know, as seen on this week's episode with Chris Van Vliet. Last week with Ryback, the week before that with Nick Aldis, the week before that with Lillian Garcia, and the list goes on and on and on. So subscribe today and never miss a show. As for me, you can find me on the socials at WrestleRant on the Twitter machine, on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, and on YouTube as well, YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. 
And in two weeks' time, I might as well just throw this out there right now. I'm hoping to air the interview that I conducted uh, about a month ago with the Von Erich brothers from MLW, Ross and Marshall Von Erich. It was a really cool interview, about 30 minutes in length, talking all about their MLW debut and so much more of their family legacy. Um, the article actually went up in article form. The interview went up in article form for Daily DDT about a month ago. So again, you can check it out there. Um, but the audio version of that interview will likely be up in two weeks here on the show on WrestleRant Radio. So another interview to look forward to here on the show. Until then, guys, have an awesome rest of your weekend. I'm Graham G. S. Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Do a step, do a step,